0: Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast and in today's podcast I'm going to look at British student radicalism in 1968 and uh, thereafter and look at the the shortcomings of the uh, British um, left-wing alternative society counterculture that, that emerged compared to their European and American counterparts. By 1968, two trends had brought about a radicalization on university campuses from Mexico to Boston in America to Paris to the Sorbonne. Uh, to German campuses we've talked a lot in this podcast about West German students in 1968 Uh, and also to Great Britain Uh, and it was really the uh, demographic explosion of the post-war era the baby boom had finally uh, come of age in the mid to late 1960s and also the impact of the Vietnam War a third effect had been the end of, or the beginnings of the end of the great post-war boom. By the late 1960s in Britain, um, uh, towards the end of Harold Wilson's government, uh, the post-war boom is beginning to really drift towards uh, recession, uh, creeping uh, unemployment, um, which really manifests itself more in the early 70s, but creeping inflation and trade union unrest, industrial um, unrest, um, declining productivity and relative economic decline that no British government seems to be able to uh, uh, arrest these all create um, the uh, the kind of the context for uh, increased uh, radicalism um, and the change in uh, thinking uh, among uh, many students um, in the uh, in Great Britain but also across the Western world during the 1960s on issues such as race gender class sexuality environmentalism um, was kind of reflective of uh, intellectual changes in the western world um, through, during uh, the the post war or era so The uh, generation who protested in 1968 in Britain looked to France where the country was brought almost to the point of revolution in 1968 uh, and saw that as a a kind of a a powerful example. But in Britain nothing quite as dramatic actually happens, uh, which might tell you something generally about the difference between Britain and France in, in, in the normal conditions. Uh, the idea of there being an alternative society or a counterculture had its roots really in, in the 1950s, and um, many of the more uh, significant figures in this uh, 1950s counterculture. Um, had been uh, at Oxford and Cambridge or at the new art colleges that had emerged uh, in, in the, uh, the post-war era. It was expi- inspired by uh, French existentialism, jazz music by the uh, the beat poets uh, of uh, the american beat poets of the 1950s and was often a reaction against um things such as british national service and um the generally kind of small-minded uh, post-war conservatism that was satirised by um, people such as the uh, Beyond the Fringe uh, performers. Um, that was the week that was Peter Cook, Dudley Moore, uh, Jonathan Miller, uh, and and that generation um, who saw uh, Britain and really England as a small, closed. Hypocritical and repressed society, um, and the uh, events such as the Profumo scandal and the uh, the various uh, sex scandals um, surrounding uh, British spies and uh, diplomats abroad, uh, highlighted uh, the double standards and hypocrisy of British society. And this was the the first generation of the uh, of of the kind of the the, the counterculture uh, a big part of that was the revival of uh, of the establishment of cnd um and the uh, marches to Aldermaston uh, nuclear refer- uh, nuclear research um, establishment um much of this was uh, london centric some of it was um dotted around around the country there were um parts of um uh, Leeds and uh, Sheffield Manchester and uh, the rest of the northwest where elements of, of a kind of a, a counterculture existed but it was uh, fairly thin on uh, on the ground uh, and in most uh, instances and at most times uh, countercultural movements tend to attract uh, little more than a smattering of, of support. They can be very loud and very lively, but as far as encapsulating majority of the population in any given age, that's particularly rare. And as Dominic Sandbrook uh, points out in his brilliant book on Britain, 64 to 70, White Heat, this was really uh, the preserve of the upper middle classes because they had the the time and the money to be able to engage in such uh, lofty pursuits and this is very often uh, very often the case the 1960s as remembered by most people in great britain was not a time of protesting uh, against the vietnam war in the 1950s as remembered by most people in great britain was not a time of protesting uh, against suez particularly these things took place but they were a uh, in, engaged in by a, a minority of people the an indicator as to the size scope and popularity of uh, Britain's counterculture came on the eleventh of June, nineteen sixty-five, um, at the Royal Albert Hall International Festival of Poetry, and it was here that Allen Ginsberg um, had visited from America. Uh, Ginsberg, of course, being the leading uh, light in the of the Beat poets uh, and a countercultural figure. Uh, in his own right, uh, kind of holding court um, in and around the world of the Grateful Dead in San Francisco by this point. And he had uh, come to Britain um, to uh, take part with uh, poets from all over the world. At this point, the probably the most famous and popular poet in Great Britain was John Betjeman, who uh, wrote long uh, paeons to um, the wonders of uh, train commuting uh, in uh, Metroland from um, London to Aylesbury, and the uh, horrors of uh, Slough, the uh, uh, industrial estate town uh on the the m four a place I have lived and can attest to its uh everything that Betcherman said was true the um so Uh, Poetry was normally a kind of a fairly minority uh, interest in Britain, but Ginsberg seemed to draw an enormous crowd uh, on that that particular day of thousands of people coming to listen to him. Um, The uh, popular appeal of Allen Ginsberg's poetry in Britain in the 1960s I would imagine is incredibly slim, That's probably it still is now. But still, uh, people, not in their dozens or in their hundreds, but in their thousands, came to um, listen to him and to listen to uh, his, his um, words and lyrics on uh, the uh, possibility of countercultural um, thought there is a great deal of uh, attention paid to the um, International Poetry Festival in 1965 because it seems to have been one of these uh, moments in cultural history where people suddenly became aware that they weren't alone. And this is normally, uh, in any kind of cultural movement, um, particularly popular cultural movements, A moment where kind of things become uh, galvanised, where um, it's sort of like a little lightning rod for for cultural change. Um, The attendance was uh, enormous by the standards of of normal uh, poetry readings, but probably smaller than uh, a Saturday football match. Um, And it still meant uh, very little normally to... Most people in Britain whose interests were things such as football and pop music and uh, their uh, hopefully continuing rising uh, living standards. The listeners to Ginsburg were people who would have been uh, aware of the growing uh, art house happenings um, in uh, in and around uh, London where um, theatre, music... Art uh, and film, um, surrealism, uh, and existentialism all merged to create um, events that were often um, fueled by the beginnings of an appetite for things like LSD. Um, and were largely incomprehensible, impenetrable um, to to those who uh, were uneducated in them or, or, or disinterested uh, in them decried perhaps rightly by some as impenetrable, pretentious and celebrations of the avant-garde for its own sake where um, those who were uh, educated at art school level in things like Dada and Surrealism um, and Expressionism, Abstract Expressionism um, could um, be rather self-congratulatory towards um, one another. Um, these uh, were... Uh, became synonymous or uh, symbolized the the kind of the left field bohemianism of, of London in, in the 1960s and have often been uh, parodied uh, in uh, in a variety of, of ways. Often, um, art house happenings, were about trying to gain a reaction from the Lord Chamberlain, who, since Tudor times and up until 1968, had been uh, responsible for theatrical censorship, uh, and um, again was an exemplar um, from the um, Lady Chatterley trial onwards of the sort of like the kind of the, the petty um, repressiveness of um, mid 60s, uh, mid
1: Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow.
0: Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. A range of radical bookshops, uh, normally in London, of um, art and theatre establishments, um, uh, countercultural educational establishments, such as the Notting Hill Free School, Uh, and uh, other um, left-of-field theatre groups um, emerged. Often these um, had varying degrees of success and often they were less about uh, education and arts and more about um, means of throwing off the uh, conformity of of middle-class life and obviously engaging in drugs and sex and uh, and that, that sort of thing. And again, it seems very much like uh, the, the the pursuits of people with the income to sustain that kind of activity. Working class people were generally excluded from much of this fund because of the pressures of um, of work and low pay. On the fringes of many of these um, bookshops and boutiques and schools were some quite famous figures. Paul McCartney uh, and uh, Marion Faithful, and occasionally members of the the Rolling Stones uh, would patronise them, Uh, filmmakers like Michelangelo Antonioni um, and the uh, various people in and around uh, groups such as Pink Floyd uh, would uh, appear um, and be uh, seen and uh, make these places terrifically, uh, terrifically fashionable. Very often commercial pressures and the problems of petty theft from the shop um, and a lack of um, business experience and the kind of the the hard headed business decisions that actually require these places to survive uh, often drove them uh, underground. But the uh, energy that poured into much of this culture was the campaign against the Vietnam War, which um, uh, saw people um, come together in shared spaces such as uh, radical bookshops and uh, meeting places uh, and events share ideas and uh, exist within a, a common culture which had previously been politicised only to the extent that it rejected the uh, state conventions of bourgeoisie but the Vietnam War gave it a cause and it gave it uh, a more uh, politicised uh, anti-imperialist, anti-capitalist uh, and to some extent Marxist um, uh, definition the periodical of the era was the International Times, or the IT, uh, which was established in October 1966. Um, when, th- uh, at about which time the um, alternative society in London began to find uh, Vietnam as its uh, rallying call, um, there had been a kind of a a, a a long tradition of radical publications long before this dating back you know deep into the 19th century um but uh this was uh, something of uh, a kind of a, a, a key moment in uh, in the 1960s um avant-garde um community um because It was able to connect with a student audience uh, and uh, a a widespread and growing audience uh, at that. It had to rely on uh, advertising, uh, but its uh, founders were able to uh, attract the kind of advertisers that would be attractive to that audience. So, uh, record uh, fashion companies uh, and these sorts of uh, advertisers who um, existed within this kind of countercultural milieu the uh, the launch party attracted uh, important figures such as um, Paul McCartney uh, uh, again uh, and um, uh, it was uh, combined with a, a, an art house music happening with live music from Pink Floyd and Soft Machine and once again uh, like the poetry festival uh, this had been a, a key moment in the establishment of the counterculture in London in, in the 1960s um one account put it all these little groups from all over london were massing together at uh, this I, it thing uh, they were actually rubbing up against each other sharing joints talking frantically about the t- uh, about turning on the world everyone had made plans of various kinds and they all babbled away furiously about either electrifying the skies so that messages of peace and love could be beamed off the clouds or turning European universities into a vast library of worthwhile information and so on. It all seemed like a jolly good fun and a good idea at the time. So take make of that what you will. But uh, the uh, magazine, the, the IT uh, eventually folded in nineteen seventy three it didn't have anywhere near the longevity and the success of its American counterparts, perhaps because of the size of its audience compared to um the 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 u s um by nineteen sixty eight um, the circulation was uh, at least forty thousand every fortnight, which is quite significant. But this was its peak. It went into decline after that, uh, and then uh, the editors were forced out in uh, 1969 by uh, 1968 by uh, other contributors. And they were then kicked out the following year, Um, and office politics saw the magazine descend into anarchy, um, and the um, business strategy was non-existent. uh, Unfortunately for all revolutionaries around the world, it comes to a simple harsh reality that publications require management and structure like pretty much everything else. Uh, by 1973, as I said, it had uh, gone underground but there had been uh, a range of other magazines that had far greater uh, impact one particular one, there's perhaps not time to talk about it now was um, Black Dwarf, um, which spawned the careers of both Tariq Ali and Sheila Robottom, John Peel, uh, the DJ um, who existed in this um, on the fringes of this world Um, made the point that everything about it was terribly small and very, very localised. Everybody knew each other uh, and they existed in their own radical echo chamber. Uh, And so um, there was uh, very little chance of uh, it really kind of going beyond all that. One key reason for the development of the new feminism of the 1970s was the misogyny and sexism that existed within the counterculture of uh, the uh, British um, alternative society. Um, Sheila Rowbottom, who worked for the magazine uh, Black Dwarf, um, who became the central figure of 1970s British uh, feminism, uh, Marxist uh, feminism, said that basically... The uh, the left and the counterculture in the uh, 1960s was a man's game. Um, that women were treated um, such as sex objects, um, uh, tea uh, makers, secretaries, but as far as having um, equivalents in uh, revolutionary thought and policy uh, and um, activism they were uh, sidelined and ignored. And what Sheila Rowbottom pointed out was that simply because men uh, believe in... follow the the dictates of Karl Marx or Antonio Gramsci or whoever else, it doesn't necessarily follow that they will uh, adopt feminist ideas and that on the left there was um, sexism uh, just as much as in in any other political field. Um, Dominic Sunbrook uh, writes, "Um, Girls, said one female art student, were expected to sit quietly in the corner, rolling joints, nodding your head. You were really there for fucks and domesticity. Social elitism on the uh, left and in the uh, counterculture of the 1960s was also a key uh, factor in excluding ordinary people. Um, the, uh, there was uh, no doubt a great deal of intellectual snobbery but the upper middle classes who had embraced the counterculture uh, managed to build their own um, barriers to exclusion to, to working class people. So the, the 60s knew left had very little to do with traditional working class um, class struggle. Um, the key difference between the American counterculture and the the British one was that the defining um, crisis in, in American history that brought about the new left in, in America was obviously the Vietnam War. The defining crisis in British history that brought about the new left uh, happened a decade earlier. In the guise of the Soviet destruction of Hungarian democracy. This had an impact on the British left because the British left, up until that point, had been um, uh, coalesced around the Communist Party of Great Britain that had sympathies, uh, overt sympathies, towards Stalin and Stalinism. And it was this uh, atrocity, international outrage, um, that ended the uh, claim that uh, the Soviet Union had to any kind of progressive politics. And it saw the mass exodus of the uh, left from in Britain from the Brit- Communist Party of Great Britain, and effectively saw the the, the Communist Party's marginalisation on the left and the search for uh, new forms of kind of uh, radicalism and uh, new radical organisations began in the uh, late 50s, uh, early 60s and when the Vietnam War reached the height of its um, ferocity and the protests against it Uh, around the world reached their climax new critiques on the left the the new left as it was referred to of both the soviet union and the usa uh, and a broader critique of power itself were um, increasingly popular anyway i'm going to finish that i hope you found that useful and interesting and i'll catch you on the next explaining history podcast if you can pop by our patreon page to fund us that would be very helpful and uh, look forward to speaking with you again soon all the best bye